Welcome to the RVA Returners Podcast, your weekly source for all things Final Fantasy TCG. So, I, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of, kind of somber right now that we've we got an hour in and then the power goes out and then we got to start from scratch. Adam, yeah. I don't blame you. I, I think I blame Steven on this one. <laughs> That's what I like to do, yeah, yeah. I assume I, think, I, I assume what happened was Steven's standing on my power line with a Snickers wrapper. Yeah. And he like oh, just you know, dropped he, it. He's squeaky his chair. Power line. That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Squeaking around in his squeaky ass chair, <laughs> and then obviously the screw went loose. He fell over, nicked the cable, and that's what happened. It was very much a final destination scenario. But we're guys, we are back once again for take two of the next episode of the RVA Returners podcast. Guys, I'm your host, Chris Adams. With me, as always, Adam Lane. Adam, say hi to everybody. <laughs> hi, everybody. Yeah, uh, for the second time. Yeah. And uh, we got a special guest with us today. Um, you know, no stranger to the cast, you know, no stranger doing casts himself, newest member of the returner team, but you know, he's always been one at heart. And that's Curtis Kang. Curtis, say hi to everybody again. Hi, guys. It's such an honor, especially being on this cast with the legendary Adam Lane. I didn't sponsor Chucky oh, no. Russ, I only sponsored Curtis <laughs> Kang. <laughs> Look, look, Ch- Chucky, Chucky Russ, it, it's kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde situation. You you get one, you get the other. It's a package uh, yeah. deal for it's, sure. I'm, I'm Two-Faced, man. You're Batman. This is just <laughs> when, when he flips his Chucky Russ coin, you never know what you're going to get. But, um, you know, yeah, glad to have you guys on. Uh, well, Adam, you're always on. I'm just, you know, I'm just still kind of floored that we're, we're taking this from the top again. But, you know, Steven, it's your fault. Glad to have you on, Curtis. Glad, uh, you know, I know people miss you from the uh, the Turks podcast. But guys, we got a lot to talk about today, um, we're, and we're just going to dive right in. No, no, no half stepping, no side stepping, no pussy footing, no cool dicking. We're just going right into it. It's the news. So first headline, uh, this is the one that isn't so much uh, card game related, but it's card game accessory related. Uh, This past week, we just entered into a uh, partnership, a sponsorship from Ultimate Guard. Um, It entails a lot of, uh, it's more so a product sponsorship, but uh, that's going to allow us to get some of their product. um, Really give that back to the community and really enter into a really nice partnership with them. We can use, you know, their logo, we, you know, put on our jerseys um you know we can do videos featuring their products things like that so it's a great step in the right direction um adam you know we we kind of talk about how this came up we, we know adam duncan was very instrumental in this yeah he, he was the one that kind of started the talks with them um and i'm glad he did and you know yeah. if, at first it was kind of like they were like come back to us later kind of thing and then we came yeah. back later and we talked to him and it, it was a more serious conversation and uh yeah so it's i'm pretty excited that, uh, yeah, man, it's, yeah. it's good. Curtis, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this as, as a new member of the team, bringing a lot of uh, a lot of different angles to this? It, it seems like it's all just kind of coming together. Yeah, I think I joined at the right time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, you did. You, you you and Chucky are along at the right time for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Next up will be the Ultimate Guard Chucky Russ body pillows. So wait, wait for those. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they'll make an Adam version too. I think I just got an email. We lost our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> No, but uh, we're really excited. We're, I think it's big for the game to get kind of this, uh, you know, this kind of, it, it, you know, they're one of the bigger names when you start looking at card game accessories. They're up there with like your Ultra Pros and your Dragon Shields, things like that. So it's a, it's a good partnership for this game and it's good. It's a good step in the right direction. So, you know, we can't wait to see where it goes. Um, you know, next piece of news, 
we have uh you know we talked about the pre-release kits for opus nine um we've seen the promo the pre-release promo and we've seen the sleeves that come in the pack uh the sleeves you know really nice chocobo art i'm really bummed that it's not bobby corwin but you know what? We can't have our cake and eat it too. And that ship's done sailed. We didn't get a Bobby Corwin in this set. So we're probably not going to get one until, you know, the next nine focus set comes out. We can only hope. But the promo, Vin, uh, the Vincent pro, uh, promo, the Vincent uh, pre-release promo. Um, Adam, go ahead and read what that card does. I know he's a 3CP7K. Go ahead and read his text to us. Yeah, so Story time. Uh, he's a 3CP7K, like he said. When he enters the field, you could put one backup you control into the break zone. When you do so, mm-hmm. choose a dull forward and deal it 8,000 damage. Uh, so that's the first time that we've had a card that has an auto that triggers its own. Uh, like mm-hmm. It's like an auto that's triggered by his, only his auto. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. it's weird. Autoception. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Autoception. And then he has an S. Uh, for S, one earth, one colorless, and dull. Choose a backup, cost three or more, and break it. I don't think the card's terrible. Um, I don't really know where it sees play. I know we had kind of talked about this, you know, before. It's really t- – I mean, he, he's a good Phoenix target, which is always nice. Um, he plays well, I think, in, like, Earth Ice list because you're already – you know, you're running Jesse, so he is – you know, he is searchable from that. But Earth Earth already has a lot of ways to kind of do what this card does already. So, you know, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I see it, but I also don't. I'm just not sure. It's not a bad card. I just don't know where it goes. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of Final Fantasy's cards fall into that category, right? They're not terrible, but, like, I don't really see where he's going to see much play. Like, he's not really going to see much play in a Final Fantasy Seven list. He's not really going to see much play in a title list unless you want to go back to playing a bunch of Vincents, in which case he's okay. Um, yeah. The breaking the backup thing is cute for, like, breaking anthems and such, but, you know, if he was a red card, that ability would probably be more important. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the fact that it, the auto of breaking your own backup triggers the other auto creates a window for your opponent that's not good for you. Um, if it was an auto that's just triggered that you put the backup in the break zone when it resolves, it would be a lot better. Um, yeah. But, you know, can't have everything, I guess. So Yeah, and uh, kind of going back to what we said the first run through around. Uh, for this one, I don't think it's going to be good in any kind of like fire earth ff7 rush list like the ones we're seeing now um but i do think it's going to have some decent potential and maybe earth water uh there's a couple backups that you can pop and get some value off of like thornton or like larsa if you ever wanted to go that route uh right now it just seems like a cute idea so i'm not sure like if it's going to be any good but it might be something fun to play with and it might give you advantage in that kind of build but we'll see yeah, and you never know because you know we still got to see the rest of the set. You know, and we'll talk a little bit more of that when we talk about the uh, the box topper that was spoiled. But we'll get to that. Um, moving right along, uh, next piece of news: uh, we want to give a big congratulations to Muhammad, Virginia's own Muhammad, for winning the Octagon Open, uh, taking down Alejandro in three games. Uh, you know, sorry, Alex, once again, uh, we didn't realize that you had beat Chris Neal. We weren't sure. Um, I just. Like I was saying before, I think I, we, I saw top four. The next thing I know, I see Muhammad once. So I was like, well, that happened all really quickly. But, uh, yeah, he took Alex, uh, Alejandro down uh, two games to one uh, by deck out, you said, right? Yeah, I believe the last game was won by deck out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't wait to talk to him more. Kind of see, I know he was just on the, you know, one of the most recent episodes of the Choker Bros. So, I know, we talked about that a little bit. So, you know, go ahead and check that out. 
Um, you know, maybe we'll get Muhammad on here in the near, near future. He can kind of talk about it and just how Opus 8 has been treating him. It seems like it's been he's been doing really well. So, you know, big congratulations and, you know, top tip of the hat to all the competitors in the Octagon Open. I know you guys played in it and seemed like it was a really good experience. So, you know, hopefully you guys can do it again. Now, I know the next piece of news we had kind of talked about briefly when we had Colin Rupert on the uh, the, the starter deck, the Opus 10 starter deck. Um they come with we saw that there was a full art phoenix when they kind of initially spoiled it with the 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 deck toppers um and we had kind of speculated that are they all they're all they're all going to be full arts then we'd also kind of heard that maybe one out of each playset was going to be a full art and uh, that's been since uh since been confirmed that all the legendaries in there one of each of those legendaries will be a full art and like i said before I don't think people can get enough of uh, Cecil's leg. He he's like showing you like Christian third base. It's kind of nice, mm-hmm. <laughs> Puritan style, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean it's it's pretty okay. cool. I, I don't I don't know how much I like the fact that it's just one because I think like a lot of collectors and just like whales of the game, I guess, are gonna mm-hmm. scoop up the starter sets and it might not leave enough for the people that actually need the starter text to for the cards. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, so here's hoping, you know, it kind of becomes an Opus 5 starter deck situation where they print more so there's more readily available. Because we, you know, like you just said, the last one's kind of disappeared off the market very quickly. And you're getting really good legendaries out of this, and they're great for new players who just don't have the coin or they just can't get their hands on the Cecils, the Diabolises. Those are those are really the big ones. Oh, the Phoenixes as well, like all these Opus 5 legendaries, really. Um so I, I hope that there's more of them. So if people want to get that full art play set, they can do that. But it doesn't leave who the product is intended for out in the cold. Yep. So, um, yeah. So, you know, speaking of, um, you know, kits and promos and products, uh, LQ season was underway as of this weekend here in North America. And, I know uh, the store down in Georgia showed what they got in their kit. Um, it's a lot. There's actually a lot of really neat stuff. Um, you know, Adam, let's go ahead and start talking about what comes in those kits. I know there's a trophy. There's some play mats. There's some promos. Talk to me, Goose. What do we got? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there's the black play mat, but they've kind of upgraded it. They added some crystals and the logo on it. Yeah, that's um, pretty nice. Yeah, the uh, the A003 promo with the Raubon, I believe, is also included. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Laswell promos. I think there might have also been Noctis promos, but I, I know there's Laswells. Um, yep. And Alula's, then I believe as well. And then yeah, the full art Alua's, which is this month's promo. Yeah. So they're actually, they've actually got a lot. It, it, you don't feel like you don't feel like if you don't get first place that you're kind of out in the cold, like, kind of like how it was last season. It felt like if you didn't win, you got a, a, a another you know black play mat, and then you were like. Well, I guess I'll just gear up for the next one. But at least this time, you know, being in top eight or even top two, you get a lot more promos. You're getting, you know, a, a new black play mat, which some people have said it kind of has a brownish tint to it. But I don't know. I haven't seen one in person yet. Uh, no, it's pretty black. I'm looking at it right Is now. Is it? Oh, that's right. Curtis, yeah, you have one, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. to, I guess, to segue a little bit is uh, the Zidane's, the Road to World Zidane's. Yeah. We kind of found out how they're going to be available, and LQs is going to be one of the ways, but it's only for Wave Two and Wave Three, and I think sad. it's yeah, I think it's only if you win, also. And then um, Gen Con, if you enter each of the events, I believe you get one for each event. 
absolutely. So they, they will be more readily available. And I can imagine, you know, after these events, um, maybe like I'm, maybe you'll get them at nationals. Maybe you'll get them at like uh, like the Dark Crystal Cup that they have before. So I think further along in the season, as you go, they'll be a little bit more, you know, readily available. Um, and speaking of LQs, you know, we had a few of those happen this weekend. Um, I know as far as what we saw kind of from the outside looking in, uh, Lawrence Olivia won his down in Georgia on Windwater. Um, there was one in New York that was won by Windwater. I know Nick Chanel finished second in that one. Uh, yeah. We had one in West Virginia that Curtis and the Fredericksburg gang went to. Um, Curtis, just kind of tell us about that one. How'd you finish? What did you play? Give, give us the skinny. Yeah, so – <laughs> went down to West Virginia uh, to a shop called the Four Horsemen Comics. Uh, Jeremy hosted that event, and we met him in the Nova LCQs last year. Um, let's see. So overall, there are about 15 players, um, each of them coming from different areas. Uh, Mike Byrne uh, brought his crew down. Uh, I brought four other people from Virginia, and then Jeremy had his local scene there as well. So overall, the decks were kind of varied. A lot of people were playing Mono Lightning at the event. Um, I myself decided to play Ice Lightning Aggro. Uh, Jeremy was playing Mono Wind, and one other individual who won, Tim, uh, was playing Fire Ice. And then the rest of them were kind of like Mono Water or like other variants that I really didn't get to see too much. Uh, but overall, the event went really well. Uh, it was pretty smooth throughout the whole thing up until Top Cut. They actually had some issue with Square's official software, and it wouldn't produce the Top Cuts. Uh, oh, for some man. reason, so we spent some time trying to get that f uh, figured out. But uh, I went X1 for the whole thing, uh, only lost at the very last round against the Fire Ice player, and I guess that was just a mirror of how it's going to be in Top Cut. Um, but uh, overall for the deck, if no one has seen the list yet, it's basically Final Fantasy thirteen, Final Fantasy Legends title deck. Uh, basically all the cards I got in Errata, it's in there, and it's a really fast, aggressive deck. Um, basically, what it does is you just kind of build backups real quick, play Snow to bring in the two-drop Lightning backup, and then no matter what you play, you're just going to give it haste and get in there for damage. And once you get them to about four or five points of damage, no matter what you draw into, you should be able to top deck and take the win from it. Uh, you got the four CP Shivas that just dull freeze everything. Um, you have the Sarahs themselves to kind of dull the board and get in there for the point, and then you can haste Orphan all freeze things and just get the points there um but it was a really fun event i feel like i performed very well and uh i'll try my best next time but uh also another thing was the for the lcq kits are they supposed to come with packs too i don't know i'm not sure i don't know because okay. i actually got like 16 packs for finishing second that might have been the I'm store not... that provided that Oh, if that was a store, then by all means, go to West Virginia next time because they take care of you. Like $15 entry, and I got 16 or so, pack, like basically half a box for finishing second. Um, well, but also cool. it was kind of funny because throughout the tournament, we kept on getting promos uh, every round. I was like, wow, they have a lot of promos. But it turns out they were giving the promos for top eight. Oh, man. <laughs> and then because they had no idea like where it was supposed to go because it was only a top four cut that was actually going to play for the playoffs to find out who won. Um, but other than that, everything went well, and the event went great. Tremendous people playing in the events. Everyone played really well, and you know it was a fun event to play. Well, that's good. Um, and I know we the next LQ coming up, or at least the next one coming up near us, is down at Game Theory towards the end of the month. 
Um, I want to say it's even it's the uh, is it Memorial Day weekend? No, it, uh, it might be. It might be. Because yeah, I know, um, you know, yeah, that, that's the next one near us. I know uh, Ryan Galloway was gracious to you know he offered, he invited us to come play in his local the locals down there the the day before, and we crashed with him, and then just do the LQ the next day. Um, you know, really nice guy. And speaking of Ryan Galloway, and speaking of Fire Ice taking down an event. And we had our Soldier Series number six this weekend. Um, it was kind of unfortunate. You know, we had scheduled this a while back, and then the LQ schedule came out. And, you know, a lot of, um, you know, all the Fredericksburg guys, you know, went down to the West Virginia LQ. But, you know, I can't hate any, I can't hate on them for that. You know, go win the trophy. Go qualify for Nats, especially when uh, three of the people that went, you, uh, Curtis, Steven, and uh, Lord Byron, you know, three of y'all have already won a Soldier Series event, so y'all are qualified for the final event. Um, it was a really good day of cards. Uh, again, like I, like I kind of prefaced, it was won by Fire Ice uh, by Ryan Galloway from Game Theory, um, playing just kind of a more mid-rangey, uh, you know, Sephiroth at the top of the curve. You know, Curtis, I know how much you love that card after this uh, weekend. I hate that card. So. <laughs> no. But, uh, you know, Adam and I actually, it was, we didn't stream this one, you know, primarily because the Water Crystal Cup was happening this weekend. And, you know, it gave me and Adam a chance to play, and it kind of felt nice not having to – you know, and I'm sure you can say this more than I can, Adam, not having to lug all that equipment, put it in your car, set it up, take it down. We got to just kind of play and leave when we were done and go eat at probably one of the worst dining experiences we've ever had in our entire life. Yeah, I feel like my dining experience is worse than everyone else's, though. But oh, Adam, <laughs> it's almost like I, you were invisible. It's like I you think you guys have, made a well mistake anyways. There. You guys didn't go to the experience. so Yeah, that's no, probably I, true. You know, we should we should have gone to Curtis's McDonald's. I'll tell you what, what what you didn't get in food, you definitely got in Dr Pepper. Yeah, so I you, mean, your cup never was dry. <laughs> at least it wasn't on purpose, though. <laughs> but yeah, correct. Uh, giving Dr Pepper to somebody else. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> to break away from that for a second, uh, we we both played the Final Fantasy VII list. So if you go back and watch the the video that I made, it's pretty similar. I think. Mine was one card different, and yours was also one card different from that video list, and we were one card different yeah, from each other. I, I believe what you ran three lease and one wool, and I ran two lease and two wool. Yeah, so the list uh, on the YouTube video had two undead princess, and that's where the uh, that one card came from. So, but yeah, it, it it was pretty good for me. I made top eight, and then had an early exit from top eight. I lost to Steven, who got second. Um, he was on Mono Wind. Uh, he won the first game pretty clean. Second game, I steamrolled pretty hard. Was able to get like Barrett, Ed Cloud at a discount, Tifa at a discount, and then the game was kind of a wrap. Um, and then the third game, I was able to get a Barrett down, but he was kind of already on three backups, which allows him to kind of, kind of efficiently cast the Ebola. So I kind of figured he had one, so I kept a second Barrett in my hand. Uh, turns out he had two, and he was able to answer both my Barretts, uh, which kind of put me out of the game, and that was kind of a wrap from there. Um, but yeah, it was a good game. It was a fun day. Not having to look stuff definitely felt good for sure. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, you and I pretty much had the exact same day. You know, we both had an exit from top eight, three games. Um, I know you you said you had lost to Stephen Ashworth, who ended up finishing second at the event. I lost to James Denham, aka Squall, um, who's been coming to our events a lot. He was on a you know a three color, you know, pretty much ice water with like an earth splash for like Shantoto and Wall and things like that. Um, deck was firing on all cylinders for him that day he just had the gas when he needed it and you know there's not really much you can say the day was his and you know he ended up making top four and you know i just want to give him a you know a big shout out he 
he's been coming to a lot of the events in Virginia, you know, driving two hours plus, um, you know, but really enjoying himself. And, you know, we're really glad that he's coming. He's become kind of a fixture at our events, you know, real nice human being. So if you ever get a chance to interact uh, with him at these tournaments in this area, you know, don't hesitate to do so. Uh, real nice guy, you know, getting better at the card game every time he plays it. So, yeah, you know. for sure. But, uh, yeah, so the next event um, was, you know, another event that happened this week. You know, maybe you heard of it. It was the Water Crystal Cup over at Epic Games over in Portland. Uh, I want to preface that event with saying, you know, I think they did a really, really nice job running the stream. Uh, you know, the commentary on day two by, you know, Okimoto, Rice, and Brian Berkeley. Um, it just really great presentation. I know that, you know, they kind of have their normal setup that they use for their, you know, the, their weeklies that they do. So, you know, the production value was there. It was a really good watch over the weekend. Um, I didn't really get to watch it as it was going on. I was able to, I had to go back and kind of, you know, kind of fly through the various, uh, you know, videos that were on their YouTube channel. But it looked like a really solid event stacked to the gills. Um, and you know it's a stacked event when a player like Brian Berkeley bubbles at 34. So, you know, Adam, what did you think overall of the event? Of the event? Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I got to watch, it was really good. All the games were really good. Uh, you saw a lot of Earthwind, a lot of Mono Water, which kind of we expected. I think about half the top 32 was those two decks. Mm-hmm. And in some form, obviously everybody's lists were, were fairly different. Probably like, you know, 10 cards difference in, in a few lists. A um, mm-hmm. couple Fire Ice yeah, lists, which... Lower- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was saying, lo and behold, for the third time this weekend, uh, it's a song of fire and ice. Chris Neal taking it down with fire ice. Yeah, and he beat Nate Perez, the 32 seed in the final. So it was almost <laughs> a almost yeah. happened again. Yeah, so, and, and Nate's list is pretty cool too. Um, kind of a uh, an ice win, like very discard heavy with three Gaudis. Uh, both of them running a lot of buffs, so they got a lot of like 9, 10k forwards running around, very hard for like Earthwind and stuff to deal with. Um, which I think ended up being very good calls from them on the day. Absolutely. Uh, Nate played played really well, and so so did Chris Neal, and Chris Neal ended up coming out on top. Um, so yeah, I mean it was a, it was a really good tournament. Absolutely, yeah. Two quick, you know, his his top four matches were both really quick. It was you know two zero in top four, two zero in finals, you know, and he is now back to back, you know, qualified for Worlds. So, you know, I think you, I think you know, like like last time, I think he brings a lot to the table. Um, I know Fire Ice has kind of been his namesake, you know, in this game when he's been playing it, and it's good to see that deck kind of back into a position where it can take down these major tournaments. It has good, it has good matchups. Um, the Earth Wind matchup is no longer an auto loss because of some of the cards that are in the deck days, like Lease and like Edgar. So that's really nice to see. Uh, Curtis, from what you saw of the event, what did you think of it overall? Uh, so I didn't really get to catch too much of it, but from what I did see, uh, the stream was run really nicely, and all the players were playing really, really good. Um, I didn't see like any player mistakes or anything like that. Um, but uh, I know Steven caught a lot of it, and he was kind of telling me how sick the stream was, so uh, I'm sure that they did a really, really good event over there. No, it was good. Yeah, like I said, a lot of killers in the in the, in the the room. Um, I know, um, you know, kind of ending the event i know uh they kind of cut to the end of the title event and adam you know you can hold your chin up high because i believe john schreiner won the title event with uh with your final fantasy list uh seven list card for card yeah i'm pretty sure it was card for card yeah he had asked me for a list uh earlier in the week he was like if i you know if i scrub out i'm gonna play title what's your title list so i sent him that and uh so it ended up working out pretty well for him i think he had two or three games on stream he won them all uh yeah i mean the list is really strong um 
you know, Barrett's even better in title than he is in standard, so. He never misses. He, he never, He's well, like the only, the only, I think John almost actually missed on stream. The only way he oh, misses dude. is if you'd have to hit four summons. Oof. Yeah, that's the only way he misses. Oof. But it's, it's almost impossible to miss. Exactly. Exactly. Well, overall, overall, it was a great event. You know, Toronto is in a month, less than a month, like three weeks. So, you know, next week we're going to kind of talk talk about, you know, what the expectations are, kind of the state of the meta. Um, you know, we'll dive more into that and kind of break down some of the uh, the top lists from this event and just kind of see what those look like moving forward. But uh, there was one other thing that came out of this event. Uh, they showed the buy a box promo for Opus 9. Yep. Uh, Nail, I believe, is her name. That is her name. Yeah, she's from Final Fantasy XIV. Um, so, yeah, I'll just go into the card. So she's a 6CP Fire Forge. She's a 9K. Uh, when she enters the field, you reveal the top three cards of your deck. You add up to two fours among them to your hand. Put the rest in the break zone. And, and then two action abilities. So the first one is remove a backup from the game. Obviously, you're a backup. Uh, mm -hmm. Until end of turn, Nail gains plus 2,000 power and haste. And then remove two backups from the game. Choose one four, deal at 8,000 damage. Now, now, Adam, I know you're invested in Final Fantasy XIV. As far as, you know, the story goes, this isn't like somebody else's sister and, like, the same person, nothing like Lease, right? Uh, no, this is the main bad guy of the game when it was terrible, before they redid it. Gotcha. <laughs> and then she comes back, actually, in a raid in later in the game. So okay. uh, it's a pretty big boss character. Uh, it actually makes me excited that they're going to print more of the generals from the game. Oh, nice. Um, so that's a possibility that we might see some of those cards, uh, some cards that I've kind of been waiting on. I'm kind of interested nice. to see what they do. Well, so. Oh, for sure. And I think overall, I think this card is fine. Um, obviously, you're kind of, you know, depending on the deck, it seems like it like it's clearly like the top end of a super forward heavy, like 28 to 30 forward, just, you know, a typical maybe maybe even a mono fire list where you're running like Godot and all these little weenie forwards. Um, this essentially coming in for two CP and maybe you can break a backup to kind of push for game but you know i don't know I, I think the card's fine um it being a red card does kind of hold it back a little bit what do you guys i think it's pretty solid but i think it with the meta the way it is now like our you know our competitive meta i don't think it's that great like i don't think you're gonna slot it in but maybe if it gets a chance like i mean you could basically play play this for pseudo 2cp assuming you hit two forwards it does kind of suck that you're removing the backup instead of breaking it so you kind of lose some combos by doing that yeah no for sure um but it, it's either a card that's gonna be played in a really aggressive deck with a high forward count for 2cp or it's gonna be played later in the game to kind of close the game out you know give it haste make it an 11k and swing for game and then kind of remove your other backups to just kill things but you better win when you do that you know so no absolutely maybe uh, Curtis, uh, what do you think I, I just thought of this sorry before before we go maybe this is a good card with like elder narsh or something i don't know i just thought about that but maybe maybe uh, uh for me though on this card like i'm not really exactly sure where it's gonna fit and i'm not really looking at this too much and brewing different ideas i'm sure someone's gonna figure it out but i'm not really paying too much attention to this card right now well well it is going with the theme this is a legendary and it is you know the, the two out the last two legendary box toppers have been super super playable um so you know this could be one of those cards i'm not saying it's on the level of like a veritas you know maybe when we start seeing more of the set and the dust settles you know maybe this is one of those cards we end up being wrong about or it ends up just being a card that it's like eh, whatever it's not going to see so it's 
you know, we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, what we're going to do is now we're going to, you know, now that a lot of events have been underway and we're kind of hitting that halfway point in the competitive season, you know, we love doing snapshots of, you know, what cards we think in each element are like the best. So, you know, we, we got our list compiled. Um, if it's anything like how we were talking, you know, and I'm, I'm just not even going to spoil it. We're just going to dive right in. Adam, we're going to start with top five fire cards. Go ahead and read off your number five, and then we'll just all kind of follow suit. Yeah, so my number five is the new Edgar from Opus 8. Um, he's just a really solid addition to the Fire Ice 6 stuff. Um, that's mainly where his home is. I mean, you could play some kind of mono fire list that's FF6 focus if you want. Maybe some kind of Fire X list. But really, like, the fact that he allows Locke to just trigger off straight backups... And there was actually another backup in this set that allows him to do it as well. Uh, just makes Locke a better card, which makes this a better card. And then he's making Locke bigger, which just makes things unfair. Um, and then he's also just buffing the other six forwards too. Uh, he's, you know, he, d- he might look like kind of just a, a decent card, but he's actually really good once you start playing with him. Mm-hmm. Nope, I agree. Curtis, you're number five. So my number five is actually Edgar as well. Uh, same reasons Adam said, and then Fire Ice, it just gives it more tools to kind of compete against like Earth Wind and things like that, just because it makes it much simpler for them to get over boards instead of like being forced to target things. Uh, so being at 9k and threatening to take a card in the hand most of the time, it's pretty, pretty good. Yep, I agree. And in the, the biggest moment of deja vu I've had in a long time, my number five is also Edgar. Um, again, not much more to add to what you guys have said other than the fact that, you know, it's that turn one backup that Fire Ice needed, play, doing that, curving into Setzer or Banana Sid, playing the lock, having that lock active, you know, just not having to worry about having another six forward to make a uh, lock, you know, get that ETB trigger. And the, the fact that it's something that's going to, you know, he, he targets rele- you know, rele- relevant forwards. There's really no bad six forwards in those two colors. And the fact that you can just really threaten that buff at any time is absolutely huge so it's a, it's just a great card and right now if you're playing fire ice or you know a lot of fire decks right now there's no reason not to run it so adam number four yeah so my number four is lease um i just think if you're playing red cards right now she's just a card that probably should always go there uh, she buffs your guys that's never bad um mm-hmm. and then you know sometimes that 1k just puts you over the top of where you need to be or just enough to trade with bigger stuff and then once you're on five damage she just becomes this wall like that your opponent has to remove or your forwards are just too big for them to even attack into uh, i mean like i said we we played her in the final fantasy 7 list and she was really good for me just sometimes barrett was like a 10k and tifa swinging for nine it's 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 just really good it feels good yeah it's, it's like having a second anthem really on a body i mean that's what it is so Absolutely. Curtis, you're number four. Sure. So my number four is actually different this time. Um, I think I wrote it down for the wrong name, but Katuna, that's the one that plays a summon from the deck, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Big yeah, tuna. So that, yeah, Big Tuna, that's my number four pick. I think if you are playing Mono Fire or anything predominantly Fire, Katuna is super good for just being uh, a card that you can play to get up to curve and then also removing something uh, and then just giving you versatility on your summons, I think for fire itself definitely on the list yeah absolutely being able being able to bring hilder something for 8k is really really nice for sure 
And keeping with the summon themes, my number four is, you know, it's a tried and true for me. I think it's still one of the best cards in the game. And I'm talking about Belias the Gigas. Um, what, what, what else, what can you say about this card that's just not amazing? It replaces itself. It gives a forward brave. I'm sorry, it gives it haste, first strike, and a thousand power. It's probably one of the best con- combat tricks in the game, if not the best combat trick in the game. Um, it does everything you want for so little. And it's a card you have to respect. When there's a forward that's slightly below what you have on board, you have to think that they have it if they're playing those colors. Um, otherwise, you could get blown up for it. And it's just it's just a very scary card when you see that, especially when you know that a lot of decks are running two or maybe the full play set of it. So, you know, I, this card will always be good. It will always be a top five fire card. To, um, this one and another summon that I'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, so for right, me, Adam. yeah, mine's actually the same, uh, just one higher, right? For basically yep. all the reasons he said, I mean, it's it's got to be one of the best combat tricks. The only other summon that's even remotely close as a combat trick better than this is Diabolos, and if it's anywhere close to Diabolos, you know that's really good. So Correct. Um, the fact that, like, it just gives you, like, almost every keyword and then a thousand power and then also draws you a card is pretty absurd. Uh, yeah, and if you're playing against... it's a burst. Yeah, and it's, it's a, burst. a burst, yeah. It's a burst that draws you a card, so... Uh, most of the time, the burst isn't relevant. I, I have seen it where, like, the 1k power and the first strike matter a lot, but most of the time, it, it's not a big deal. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's just really good, and it replaces itself. So I think if you're seeing red cards, you have to fully expect that card most of the time. Absolutely. Curtis, how about your number three? So my number three was uh, Lise, and she's tremendous, and I think any fire build right now should be playing it just because... Her giving the thousand anthem to all your fours is super good, and then when you take five, and she's giving two to everything, uh, it's just really easy to win at that point. And if it fits like a gridlock situation. Eventually, they're going to have to chump walk, and they're just going to lose their fours, and you're going to be fine. Uh, and also, her S ability is actually pretty good too. So uh, I think she's definitely number three on my list. Yeah, I agree. Um, she wasn't quite in my top five, but she's like number six. And I mean, hell, a week from now, she could easily be in my top five. Because I, I think all the fire cards we're talking about here are all amazing. Uh, but my number three is actually the seven CP Phoenix. Um, again, I this this I I would imagine this card is higher on you guys' list. Um, it's just an insane card. It if you know when you're not talking about Belias, this is the other fire summon that you're talking about. Because it sees play in other decks, it has a ton of amazing, relevant targets, and it just it just does uh, does a lot. You know, it, especially you know we're talking about fire ice. Um, you know the fact that you can get locks back, you can get that lease back, which could be a blow up, especially if your opponent's at like five damage. Being able to get a light Zidane back, being able to get a VV, the the list goes on and on as far as the cards that this thing back. So it just it just does a lot. And it, it, while it is pricey, it, it it pays for itself just by some of the blowout turns that it have. So Adam, your number two. Yeah, so my number two is the new Legend Cloud, uh the box topper. Uh he's just he's really nutty, right? Like uh you play him later like mid or mid and late game basically for the most part. Uh he's probably gonna come down, he's gonna kill something. Sometimes when he flips off the top of your deck he's gonna kill something. Uh, if you're playing a Final Fantasy VII list, he only costs four instead of five. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he just becomes really awkward for your opponent to deal with because if your opponent has a board when you play him and you're able to take something off their board, and now it's really awkward for them to tack into him because even if he trades, there's a chance your opponent might mill ten cards, bring him back, and then kill whatever else you have on the board. 
So late game, he yep. just becomes an, a really bad problem for your opponent. Um, and you don't always have to mill the 10. But, uh, I mean, if, if you're going to win the game, like you're always going to do that. So he's just a really, really high-powered card in those sections of the game, and I think you're going to see him for a long time going forward. Yep, I agree. Curtis, you're number two. <sighs> so my number two is actually Cloud as well. Uh, <laughs> same reasons Adam said. He's just a big beater. Uh, late game, he's going to make the board really awkward for the opponent and it's going to be really hard to get that last point of damage and if you're playing against fire and they got a cloud on the board so yeah now you guys hit the nail right on the head uh my number two to keep things you know different um my number two is actually meath i know that's kind of an odd pick you know especially you know when you're looking at the rest of these fire card but i think it's one of the most clean searchers in the game and it does allow you to do a lot in archetypes that are splashing fire especially if you're playing a lot of light costed forward um it's also a great way to kind of get you know lighter or dark cards out of your hand um it, it's a card that lets you get the card you need when um so i i think this is a card that you're going to start seeing because it kind of comes and goes right like it's, it's just a real clean searcher a lot of decks you'll see with one maybe two just because just because of the just, you can start toolboxing your forwards it allows you to search out some of those one ofs you may be playing so you know i think it's a good fire card and again like I said before, any one of these cards that I've mentioned so far, could it's like the stock market, right? Mm -hmm. It may be a four today. It could be a two tomorrow. You never know. Adam, number one on your top five fire cards. What have we got going on? Uh, yeah, so I think it's pretty obvious, right? Like, I haven't said Phoenix yet, so Phoenix is obviously number one. Um, oh, of course. I think the reason really is why it's number one over these other cards is Phoenix just sees play in decks that that's the only fire card they run, which that should tell you the power level of the card. Uh, sadly, it's probably the weakest in Mono Fire. It just doesn't have as many mm -hmm. good targets outside of, like, Vivi and Lease. It's really it. There's a few other yeah. cheeky things you can do, but for the most part, those are the only two. But, like, when you start Phoenixing in Zidane's and Yastolas and Locks and stuff is when the, you really see that the card is stupid. Um, and then the fact that you're also norm usually removing something while you're getting that forward back, and then the forward you're getting back probably has some relevant ETB that's also going to go along with the Phoenix is when you just create these really ridiculous swiggy turns. Um, so it kind of validates the fact that you just spent seven on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, not Can't really say anything bad about this card. Uh, Curtis, you're number one. So, uh, yeah, Adam stole my answers. But uh, <laughs> my number one pick is also Phoenix as well. Uh, same reasons he gave. Uh, I guess great minds think alike, but... Basically, any deck that's not even playing Fire will play Phoenix, and I think Earthwind is the biggest testament to that. I mean, there's ways you can play it for free, and its power value is just so high, and you just get back so many good targets. And it's also really hard to stop, um, if you think about it, too. Like, unlike other modal cards, by getting rid of one target, you stop the whole effect. You're still targeting something in the break zone, so either way, you're still going to get value out of it if they have some way to try to play around it other than just canceling mm -hmm. with Yastola. But other than that, it's really hard to get around, and it just gives you so much value. Yeah, I agree. Can't, can't say anything bad about that card. Phoenix is one of my favorite fire cards right now. Um, my number one, you, you guys actually touched on it before. My number one right now is actually the Legendary Cloud. Um, for all the reasons you said, you know, he's been dubbed the, you know, the Fire Cecil for a reason. He's just a mid-to-late game powerhouse. As you know, again, Adam kind of hit all the nails on the head. Um, this card's going to be around for a while. The fact that it's a burst is just icing on the cake. It's going to kill something. It's just a, It becomes a wall near the end of the game when your opponent's trying to push through to win. And, you know, 
just the card's good and it's a card that you know while it is expensive it's like Cecil in the sense that you, you want to run the full play set because you want to see it and you want to see multiples of it so you know you know again we'll we'll see how long this card stays in you know stays in a lot of decks that are running fire and you know my bet is it's going to be a good while so you know we're going to move on now to ice adam start us off with ice your number five we're now in uncharted territory <laughs> let's go yeah so i'm gonna see how many more of curtis's answers i can steal yeah, uh no shit, right? so my number five is the heroic laswell from this set uh from opus eight uh i think he just does a lot of unfair things for fire ice and that archetype uh the fact that he has the entry ability and the on, on attack ability means that you have to remove this guy asap or he's gonna start dulling and freezing something every turn and if you're facing down this plus, like, the new Celis or something like that, like, you're just not going to be able to block. So he's just a he's a forward that demands removal, and his ability that he's going to keep getting is so cheap that it doesn't even matter. Like, it doesn't matter for them to pay it. So, I mean, of course they're going to pay it every time. Um, and so I, I, th- I think he's really strong, and I think, I mean, even though, he, again, he's only in that one deck, really, what he does in that deck uh, is pretty impressive. I agree. Curtis, your number five ice car. Sure. So ice in general was really hard to peg it down to five, but for my fifth pick, mine is actually Genesis. Uh, Every single ice deck in the world is playing Genesis, and for good reason. I mean, just gives you insane value when you play him, and taking a card every time he hits for points of damage is super strong as well. Uh, I was thinking about Laswell, but for the other cards on my list, I think Genesis is the card that kind of rounds out everything. Um, but that was my pick for this one. Nah, Genesis is always going to be a good card. He just he does everything that Ice kind of personifies. So excellent choice as always. Uh, my number five, similar to Adam, is actually Laswell. Um, he would be higher on my list if he wasn't kind of limited to being really in a dual dual color archetype. Uh, obviously, Fire Ice is where he wants to be. The fact that his he's a repeatable Genesis is huge. Um, the fact that it's on entry and attack. And sometimes that pay a fire to do something, do a thousand damage to something, that's huge You know, if you're playing a deck with a lot of first strike as well. Because, you know, it's almost like, you know, if you cast Belias and something's maybe too higher, you can just ping him with Laswell, then all of a sudden that first strike, you're just taking that guy down. Um, you know, the fact that maybe you just fall short or they buff, buff their guy to try to get over your, you know, your combo damage, you could just ping him twice with laswell and there you go so the card is very versatile and he does a lot so i I think i I would easily have him higher on my list if he wasn't limited like i said before to like ice x archetypes but adam you're number four so my number four is actually the renoa legend from opus six um again she's seen less play than she was seeing like previous metas but just being able to blink something is just pretty nuts. I mean, Renoa Nidhogg is still a thing. You might not see it as much. Uh, Renoa Veritas is definitely a thing. Um, she obviously thrives more in, like, the ice water variants, but I think you're starting to see her in other decks, too. I mean, look at, like, the ice wind list that Nate Perez just took to, you know, second place. He was also playing that card as well to be able to blink some of his discard effects. And so sometimes that's good enough. Um, so I, I think she's just a really versatile card and she's a card you're always going to have to look at every set going forward. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. Uh, Curtis, you're number four. So my number four is actually Edward. 
Um, for one, it's a super good card to build up to curve. And then with Harley, it's just, you know, one drop, get rid of a card. But the reason why I picked Edward being on the top five list is just because, like, Earth Ice is such a big archetype, this format. And Edward, in my opinion, is probably one of the biggest reasons as to why it is. Being able to cancel, uh, cancel a summon just makes that deck stay alive in situations that it just would not survive in. Um, especially with ice, a lot of the good cards are like over five CP and Diabolos will just destroy your game plan. Uh, Phoenix will destroy your game plan depending on when they play it. So having a card that lets you cancel those problematic things and let you get over those situations and allow you to continue your plan as ice where you're just building up advantage and making them get rid of cards, I think Edward is essential for that kind of game plan. No, absolutely. Edward Edward is a absolutely fantastic card. Uh, my number four is actually Glacia. Um, you're starting to see that card a lot more. Um, you know, again, it does very relevant effects. You know, the 7K is still, you know, in certain matchups, that's still a sweet spot that you want to hit. The Dull Freeze is still relevant. The Discard is still very relevant. Um, you know, a lot of decks, you know, you know kind of touching back to the Earth uh, Ice decks, you know, they're not really running a lot of summons. They're running two, maybe three. And it's usually a play set of Glacia for a lot of those reasons because it just kind of gets you over that hump. You just use that to move something out of the way, make them discard, and then you just use Silent Verse to protect your guys. So, you know, I just think it's a good card, and I think just right now it's in a really good spot. Um, Adam, you're number three. Yeah, just a, just like a slight side tangent. Remember when we reviewed Opus 5 and I said Edward wasn't that good? Yeah, I was retarded, so just, just <laughs> oh, like, yeah. ignore that review. Um, Dude, if you go back and watch our Opus 5 review, we're wrong on a lot of stuff. Like, we were talking about, like, yeah, Diabolos is okay. We said uh, it was good, but we were like, eh, it's not great. We were yeah. like, it's fine. I mean, I knew it was good, and same with uh, Glassy. I think we also said that was good, too. But Edward, I think I said, was horrible. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I was, like, super, super wrong on that. Um, so my number three is actually Genesis, uh, basically for all the reasons Curtis said. It's just a mainstay. Like, it, it's a summon on a body that also makes you discard. So, you, like, he... He has a continual effect and an entry effect, and I think that's really the mark of like a good forward. Uh, it's like it's something that does something immediately. So even if you kill it, it already did its job. And if it continues to do something, it's something that also demands removal. So Genesis kind of covers both. And then when you're running these decks, like again with Nate, that was Nate was running. When your Genesis is a nine K, I mean that's pretty hard to deal with. Um, yeah, I mean not yeah, much more than that. Genesis is pretty yeah, unfair. Yeah, I mean yeah, not much more to say than that. I mean he's just really good. Yeah, and no. Adam, I'm I'm fairly certain our top three is exactly the same. Uh, Curtis, what is your number? So my number three is actually Garland. Uh, I think Garland from this set is a super strong card that is starting to see more play. Um, when you drop it early, it's just a pain in the ass to deal with, especially if people start their turn one backup like most people do. It just punishes them really hard, and now they're going to be forced to get more cards out their hand, which is what Ice wants. Um, I think Garland is super strong simply because of that. Like, if you're able to play it early and you have no way to kill it, not only are you going to get like points of damage in uh, early on in the game, but you're going to be freezing their most valuable characters. Um, so if they decide to like overcommit and you know play it back up, uh, you can just freeze that and now they're color locked depending on what they're playing so i think garland is my number number three pick yeah no i agree garland's a fantastic card a great addition to a lot of these ice you know earth ice just mono ice decks it's a great just a great way to start the game 
Uh, my number three, uh, just like Adam, is Genesis. Um, I, it's weird that I live in a world now where Genesis isn't the best ice card anymore. Um, again, like I said before, like when you know when you said it was your number five, he does everything Ice wants to do. You know, when you've got Duke Largout, he's an eight K. If you're running a list like Nate Perez's deck, he's a ten K, and that card becomes extremely unfair at those power levels. Um, he's he's a threat. He's going to come in, clear something out of the way. He could just win you a game on the spot. And the fact that he's just continual resource denial is huge too. You know, we've been talking about this card in that same light since Opus Three, and I don't think that's ever going to change. So, Adam, your number two. Yeah. So keeping the theme of stealing people's answers, uh, my number two is Locke. Um, oh, yeah, that our, <laughs> our top is definitely the same. Yeah. So, I mean, he got a huge boost in this set. I, I already thought he was kind of already the best. Uh, six card for the longest time anyways the six kind of package kind of went down and then now it's coming back up again uh being able to discard on entry it very very easily now is super strong and then also the fact that like now he's in decks also we're going to give him haste so the potential to very early make your opponent discard two cards in the same turn and hit him for a point of damage and now you have a 7k out is pretty oppressive um so i i mean that's why i mean yeah that does require a few cards, but it's not that unlikely to happen to you. And even so, even if you manage to kill him the turn he comes out, he's still making you discard something. So, Absolutely. Card's nuts. Curtis, your number two. So I think my number two pick might be a little weird, I guess, but mine is actually Flan. Um, I think Flan is just a super good card, and it's like the definition of versatility in ice, just because of like what it does. Obviously, it makes him discard a card, but Flan is like the butter that makes mono ice and earth ice run the way it does. Uh, you can use it to cheat CP a lot, so you can just make it, you know, pitch a Flan from your hand after searching uh, to avoid tapping two backups. So it just gives you more CP to play more cards. Um, also gives ice earth the versatility it needs to actually play shantoto effectively i mean every, anytime you draw into an earth card or this shantoto you just search out the other flan um mm -hmm. but then also gives you a combat trick too because you could also pitch that earth flan and give your guy a thousand when you're blocking i just think flan is super good for ice as a whole archetype and that's what's been kind of letting it you know go over the hump in the meta uh, just by getting more versatile options, allowing you to pitch cards out the hand afterwards. So if you've already set up all three flans, and now you're threatening three cards out the hand. So I just think that flan is probably one of the best ice cards in the game. Yeah, I agree. It's just it's it's fast CP and then resource denial. Cards are great. Cards are absolutely great. Uh, my number two, keeping on theme, uh, it's Locke. I have often said, not just me, but other people have even said Locke is... He's not only the best ice legend in Opus 8, he's probably the best legend in Opus 8. Um, again, it, it, all it took was these two new backups coming out to just make Locke this consistent turn three, discard at least one, maybe two, if you know if your opponent's playing a grindier game, which right now the games are, for the most part, slower. Um, Locke is in the best position he's ever been in, and... He looks alive and healthy, which is music to my ears. So, Adam, and before we get to the number ones, I I might I, I, I might be wrong, but I almost feel like all of our number ones are exactly the same. Mm, I think so, too. Yeah, so we could just all so, talk at once if you want. So, yeah, Sep uh, Sephiroth is my number Sephiroth? one. Yeah, yeah. Sephiroth. Yeah. 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 I hate that card so, so much. Yeah, so I'll just touch on a couple of points so that y'all can talk about it. Uh, I mean, discarding two on entry is really dumb. Uh, the fact that you have to think about discarding two cards and then he might just special you to make you discard four on the same turn. 
also dumb. And then not only does he have those two things, he has a third line of text uh, that makes you not want to play Hellbent versus him because if you do, he's going to dull and freeze for free every time he swings. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. That he does yeah, a lot. Yeah. And you, know, you would think him costing sevens a way to balance that out. No, no, not at all. Yeah. No, he and does he's a so lot. so demoralizing. Like when you start your turn and then you have zero, like they make you discard four and then you draw your two and then you look at their hand, they have four cards in their hand still. You're like, how the hell do you still have that many cards? And then you look at the board and they got flans there too. It's like, oh, okay. So even if I choose to hold on to these cards, you're telling me you're just going to make me discard again? Okay. Seems fair. Well, and not only that, when you're playing him in a deck with lock in it, you just, you feel terrible when lock comes down, makes you strip a card. Then the next turn, here comes Sephiroth. Like it just... It is. It's extremely demoralizing. The card is just nuts, absolutely nuts. And I, I think if you're playing, if you're playing baby blues, you need to be playing three Sephiroth. I just, I just, that's how strongly I feel about that. So, all right, Adam, what element is next? I believe we're moving on to wind. Yeah, wind is next. So, uh, wind was pretty easy for me, except for the number yeah. five spot was kind of tricky. Uh, there's a couple things I could put here. I don't have Cactuar on my list. I'll just say that now. Um, so my number five is uh, is the Heroic Riku. I think she's in a really good spot right now. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, is Curtis. That, is, that, is that your number five too, Curtis? <laughs> I'll, I'll let Curtis talk about it so that I'll steal his points. <laughs> well, because uh, it's also my number five. <laughs> Christ. Really? Oh, man. Jeez. Okay. But anyways, I'm assuming Adam's going to say this. Riku is just super good. Wins you a lot of matchups that you shouldn't win because as long as you can stay alive, you just make a mill and then you're just gonna make him deck out. Uh, also, obviously good in wind water and uh, versatile and just lets you win a lot of matches that you shouldn't. Yeah, and Mug is a very relevant S. Yeah, it makes the extra copies of Riku better. Um, and then on top of that, she's a part of the YRP engine too, which also helps her out. But she's starting to see play outside of that now, just because of how long and grindy games are. So mm -hmm. Mill is a factor. And then anytime you try to set up any kind of shenanigans on top of your deck, like she's just going to be like, nah. Mm -hmm. So yep. uh, Especially, she's great in a meta where Layla Viking are now super prevalent again. Yep. And speaking of that, actually, uh, so my number four is Valifor. Uh, so Valifor kills those fours <laughs> that you just said. Uh, the, only, mine, but... the only reason Valifor is this low for me, because I think the summon itself is nuts, is that it, you can only play it with Yuna and Riku, so really that kind of drives you into basically one archetype. You could argue that there's other, you know, YRP decks that are pretty decent, but I mean, Windwater is kind of where it's at. But uh, when this card works, it, it's really dumb. Uh, lets you do if you have double Valifor turns, usually just win off of them. It's really stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, not much more to be said, and it's a burst on top of that too. Oh, absolutely. Again, just like Riku and with Layla and Viking being a thing, this card is, is definitely important. Uh, Curtis, your number four. Yeah, so my number four is uh, Norstalin, uh, the backup in this new set that lets you search for any FFCC card uh, backup. Uh, for one, in Mono Wind, it's just super good. Uh, I think pretty much the whole backup line in Mono Wind right now is pretty much uh, Crystal Chronicles. And even for other colors, like, I think we're starting to see the versatility it has for other color combinations, too, because I'm sure Perez played this card, being able to search uh, the gold as booster, uh, which mm. uh, Chew Chaspel, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you're able to search that card. And if you want to start experimenting and putting wind with other 
colors like maybe fire you can search out meath as well uh so there's just so much options that this card brings to the table and once the game starts to get more cards in this card's just going to get better um and even right now in this format um as it stands north is just super good in win period just because it gives you so much cards that you know build your backup line for it and you'll never be starved uh for options to play on like turn one or turn two yep i agree with that 100 percent uh my number four is actually uh chalinka um, I think Chalinka is always going to be a relevant win card uh, because Crystal Chronicles is so powerful. Um, the fact that she pairs well with probably the best light card printed. Um, she does a lot of the, you know, the pingy area of effect damage that wind likes to do. Um, and the fact that, you know, base by herself, she's a three CP that's trading up with eight, which is very, very important. And the fact that she able enables I'll handle him to be better. Um, I think this card is just very casual. Just a really, really, just, a, just it's a staple. It's a staple card that if you're playing green cards, there, unless you're like when I say green cards, I mean, you know, you you're playing the Crystal Chronicles package. There are some builds of Earth Wind that run the Crystal Chronicles package, and she is she is a cornerstone of that. So I don't think that we're going to see a time where if you're playing mono wind wind water some variations of wind earth that you're that you're not going to be running three of this so adam you're number three i'm gonna assume that our top three are the same they might not be in the same order but um my number three is just stola um it might be a surprise to see her this low too but i think the two cards above her right now are better um i still think she's really unfair i still hate the card i hate how she warps like the board state as soon as she hits the board because you can't respond to her uh, coming into play, obviously. So she immediately just turns all your summons offline for the most part, uh, especially when you're in the meta now where all these high-cost summons are being played. Uh, and then on top of that, she just can't be damaged by summons or abilities, which makes her a nightmare for red and purple cards. Um, so, I mean, purple has some answers, but red for red, it's really bad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she's just a really strong card. Um, that forces your opponent to play a different way as soon as she hits the table. Yep. And Curtis, your number three? Uh, my number three is actually Fina from this set. Uh, I think Fina's actually proving to be really, really good. Um, I think JFB has been playing Fina in his um, Earth Wind deck. It just lets you get over a lot of the aggressive decks that kind of shit out forwards early on. Um, gives you an economical way to play that and just reactivate your backups especially when you're playing wind or any variant of that which lets you build up backups really quick um also she's really big as a forward i believe she's 9k right so yep. she's able to block pretty well be aggressive with her too and the added caveat of being able to do both 5k and activate your stuff i think makes her super super strong um and she's my third pick yeah, and I, I agree with that. I think she's slowly but surely becoming one that you're going to start seeing full play sets of in decks. And to kind of piggyback off of what Adam said, I, I, I'm pretty sure our, our last few cards are all going to be similar. Because, you know, even if they're not in the same order, they all have one thing in common. They all kind of shape how your opponent or, or they, they, can, they can alter how your opponent's future turns go. Um, or the turn that they're in. Like my number three right now is actually uh, the three CP Heroic Zidane. Um, it's such a, as Adam Duncan put it when he was talking about thought sees, it's just such a knuckle dragger card. Like you play it, you look at your opponent's hand, you're just like, uh, that one. Um, and it, it could, it, and it's one of those cards that, you know, if you're playing green cards and you start to play your deck the way you want to play it, 
you have to be prepared for your opponent to play Zidane, take your next turn. Like, you have to be ready with a backup plan. Because yeah, you have to assume that when you see green cards across from you that you know there's a full play set of that guy in the deck. So, you know, if you try to do the classic turn one, two CP backup, curve into a three CP, or you do that and you get the card, you search for the card you're looking for, you have to be prepared to lose it. So I, I think the card just really changes the way your opponent has to play. Again, using Thought Seize as an example, it's just such a powerful effect and it gives you so much information. It's just huge. Uh, Adam, your number two. Yeah, so my number two is Zidane. Uh, that, yeah. The same one. Um, again, I think the fact that he can take backups is probably the most unfair thing. Because yeah. the fact that he dictate, he's going to pr- almost dictate your next turn, unless you get lucky with a top deck. Um, mm-hmm. Like, if you try to go turn 1, 2 CP, and your opponent's on the play, and they play Zidane on their second turn before your second turn, um, and they steal your 3 CP, like you were talking about, that exact play, like, that's just a ball buster. Like, that, if you don't draw properly, go into your next turn, and that was your only like viable option like it's bad uh and in in a game like final fantasy where taking a turn off in this game feels horrible and because the dane can almost force you into that position it it just it doesn't feel good and then on top of that when you try to start playing cards down to to like so that he can't steal them and then he comes down at a 7k uh Mm -hmm. it just makes him even more annoying to deal with no, I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. Uh, Curtis, your number two. Yeah, so my number two pick is Yastola. Uh, I think this card is just super, super annoying. And if there was, like, you know, any kind of limited format or something they introduced, I think Yastola would be number one of those cards that should be limited to one. Uh, being able to cancel summon, super good. And like Adam said before, like, a lot of the really good summons that can just win the game are pretty expensive. And if you can cast it, it'll win you the game. But if it gets canceled for free, you're going to lose the game. Uh, and Yishtola just facilitates that. And the fact that she can't be damaged by abilities or summons is also super annoying. So you're forced to kill her through just, like, combat, which any sane player is not going to allow that to happen. Um, I think Yishtola is just super strong and probably well in my opinion second best win card in the game yeah no i agree with that my number two is also yastola for all the reasons you and adam have said it's again it's another card that really just changes the pace of the game and changes how your opponent plays and if you're a smart player um you're always going to be able to read the board state and be like oh they're clearly setting up for a shantoto or they're setting up for this big phoenix play or a big diabolos play or Oh, they, I, I can smell the Ajito into Raiden or something like that. And you're just like, now I'm going to play this Yishtola and really make you have to change, you know, what you're trying to do. And, again, it just kind of piggybacks off that information you've gathered off your one, your two, maybe even your third Zidane at point. Um, just These cards just really flow very well together. And with that being said, I, I, am I wrong that we all have the same number one yet again? Yeah, I'd be surprised if we didn't. Diabolos, yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought we were, I thought I thought Vada was the best card. <laughs> Vada is good. No, it's. I thought it was five CP Devout. Five CP Devout, the Opus One. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, like, what other card allows you to play something for free like that? Like, oh my god! You play, you pay five CP to play Devout, and then you bring out like I don't even know what it does because yeah, they, that's I how think it is. puts a two CP forward into play. Exactly. Like, what else? What other yeah, card does that? <laughs> uh, yeah. So. But yeah, no, I mean, we're, I think we're pretty unanimous. It's Diabolos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just does too much, right? 
I mean, it's it can be a double combat trick sometimes. Like, you can break a 5 CP, put something to 1. A lot of times it's just mm-hmm. a free combat trick or a free break on a 5 CP or greater. Like, it's, yep. it, it, it's just dumb. Yeah, and it just hoses those opponents that are like, ah, oh, we'll go ahead and just dole all your backups and dole all your stuff. You're just like, nope, I'll just ready everything that I own. Yep. So, like, the card just does so much. There's no there's no bad combination. I don't, and I, I think you guys can agree with me. I don't think I haven't used any combination of two that that card offers. Every yeah. mode is relevant. Yep. 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 Curtis, anything you want to add on that one? Uh, no, I don't think so, man. Other than 5CP Devout, uh, nothing really. <laughs> uh, oh, I want to give a shout-out to 5CP Devout for being the best win card ever printed. Mm-hmm, exactly, man. There it is. All right, Adam, I guess we are now on to Earth, or is it water? It's Earth. Earth is next. All right, well, just lead us off, man. Bring us to your number five. So I kind of had trouble with this one a little bit. Um, I did, spe- too. Especially Same. with the number five spot. Uh, I, I have Shantoto here, and I kind of ha- I have Shantoto here by default. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to think of things to put over her, because I feel like she's not in such a... She's she's still a good card. She's, uh, you know, board wipe. But, like, there are just other things that... And she's starting to be relegated to basically a one-of now at this point, just because of how searchable mm-hmm. she is as well. Um... I mean, yeah, she's a board wipe. She removes everything from the game, and she gives you access to rainbow colors. So, obviously very good. Absolutely. Uh, Curtis, you're number five. So, my number five, uh, it was a split between Star Sybil and Ajito, but I think I'm going to go with just Ajito. Um, Ajito is one of those cards that, in my opinion, hasn't been fully utilized just yet. I mean, it's starting to get more play, especially in, like, Earth Wind. Um, being able to cast, like, Adia Bowls for free and then reactivating everything right after is super strong. Uh, being able to play a Jito and playing like a Raiden or a Phoenix or like even Ark for free is just dumb. In uh, a lot of the decks that I play as well, like when you're playing like off the walls kind of things or like multicolored decks, you want like versatility and this card just gives you so much versatility. Like not only can you play the summons for free, but you can also make <clears throat> a Jito like only cost like basically one CP depending on how you pay for it. And you can get back two summons, and depending on what those summons are, you can just win the game flat out from there. Like if you're playing against, uh, you know, something that needs to build up backups, and you've already been blasting with uh, Hekas and getting rid of their three CPs, playing Ajito, getting both of them back, and then just doing it all over again. Like, there's so many options, and I think this card is super strong. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And uh, just kind of keeping with the theme, my number five Earth card is a backup, and I'm gonna agree with Adam. It was really, really hard. To narrow down five because I think Earth in the last few sets have gotten a lot of really good cards. But uh, my number five is actually Lael. Um, and I say that because I think it's the best two CP Earth backup that's been printed. And the fact that it catches summons that are four or less is huge. It just There's just so much more that adds to the pot. And uh, the fact that it's a Crystal Chronicles back, backup, which makes it searchable off of Norstalin if you're playing that kind of deck. Um, and Earth already has so many ways to recur their backups. So it's a card that you can it, it's it's a it's a just a nice piece like a nice deterrent that you can recycle over and over again. And I think the card is just really really good, but primarily because it's it's just a super super playable 2 CP earth backup, which is something they have been lacking since like the So, Adam, you're number 4. Uh my number 4 is Star Sybil. Um it kind of creates this really stupid engine especially in Earthwind. Uh on top of the fact that it's a burst and then it can get discounted, obviously, which is where it becomes extremely unfair. 
Uh, and now you're you're starting to see more people take advantage of the six cost forwards with Star Sybil, which wasn't really happening before. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you were just breaking this playing Cam, which you just searched, which is still really good. Uh, and then you know getting your chaos, making your color fixing online. But now you're starting to see people play Finos and Veritas's off this, uh, which max mm-hmm. which even further maximizes the value that it gives you. Um, yeah, I mean it's just a really really good breakable backup. Yeah, I agree with that. Curtis, you're number four. Yeah, so uh, my number four is also Star Sybil. Uh, super good. And being able to play like a Veritas for free, basically, uh, is pretty broken. Uh, being able to play basically a whole host of good 5 CP or more. Uh, well, 5 CP or 6 CP forwards is super good. And it just gives you more options to play with. And especially with like the JFB Earth Windex, like playing Mion and bouncing Star Sybil to draw a card and then playing Star Sybil for a discount if you have uh, semi Lafina already on the board, like that's pretty broken. And uh, it just gives Earth a lot of versatility, especially in all of the other uh, different colors that they, they can play in it too. So, Yep, it's a backbone card. Uh, my number four is actually Shantoto. Um, if you're playing Earth cards or any Earth X deck, uh, it's just a great reset. Um, it's a card that, you know, People have to people have to expect it coming. You know, people are going to play around it. Um, it's not as high as it used to be. You know, kind of like Adam said, a lot of decks are you know reducing it down to one because I think a lot of forwards are getting better. And you know, you really only want to use this when it's like, oh, my back is against the wall. I need to just get a soft reset on this board and just kind of you know rebuild and go from there. But it's a card that's not going anywhere. It's always going to be a staple card. Um, I don't think you know some lists are still running three, but just for the most part, it's it's just a card that if you're playing yellow cards, it's going to be in your list in some capacity. Adam, your number three. Uh, my number three is uh, Dataluma. Uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> some people might be shocked to see this guy this low, uh, but mm-hmm. I do think its value has dropped us a little bit. Um, it's not quite as good against some of the other cards that we've already mentioned. Uh, but, you know, when it's good, it's good. When you have two Cactars out, it does really impressive things to most. It kills most things at that point. Uh, three Cactars yeah. out, it just lights out uh, for the most yep. part. And then, yeah, I mean, for certain colors, he's extremely annoying just by himself. Absolutely. Uh, Curtis, you're number three. Yeah, so uh, it's also Dataluma. Um, and for the same reasons Adam said, and sure, like, you might associate Dataluma with simply, like, Earth, Wind. Uh, just because of the Cactars, but I think that's only because Cactars is the most easiest way to get his effect to go off. Um, even if Cactar was like never printed, Dataluma would still be a super good card, and you'll still see it in as at least a one of in like any deck that really plays Earth. I mean, when you play it, it's on curve for one, super strong. But whenever it's targeted, obviously you get that 4K ping, so it's going to be able to trade with anything that it hits. Um, you know, in the vacuum like that. Uh, it's always going to be trading up to like anything 12k and above, well, 12k or less. You should be able to take care of no problem with Dataluma. Um, and even without wind, there are other ways to proc its effect. Like you know, there's Pelinor and Earth um, Fire has ways to ping it too, and then also Earth Ice has ways to do it with uh, Terra. So I just think Dataluma is just a super strong card for Earth, and it's probably been one of the biggest reasons that Earth has been in the meta for so long. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. He's actually not in my top five at all. He was my number six. Um, my number three, uh, you guys have both mentioned it, it's Star Sybil. Um, again, just because Star Sybil is the backbone of that just amazing Final Fantasy XI uh, just package. 
um, it, it just does so much. It's, it, you know, the fact that you can play it for three off of Simi is almost unfair. Um, it's a burst. It lets you put six drops or less into play for just breaking it. It's recyclable. It, you know, it, it, it just, it's everything you want to back up. So I can't say anything. anything that you guys have already said is absolutely true. And I can't really add much more to it than that. So Adam, your number two, I'd be willing to bet our top two are the same across the board. Probably different order, but I'm not sure. My number two is Dark Knight Cecil. Um, I think he's probably maybe the highest played Earth forward like across all decks right now. Um, he's just really good versus aggro. Uh, like if they swing in too early, then you just drop this guy. Now he's a 9k that's going to kill something. Uh, most of the time when things attack, they dole. So I mean, I guess he could struggle a little bit versus a lot of brave stuff, but that's not that super popular right now. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, his S can do really ridiculous things, like especially when you start stacking it on his entry ability as well. Like maybe they, your opponent thought they were safe because you're only on three and they're swinging with four CPs. And then you like dark something else while your trigger's on the stack and you just kill both of them. Um, it's pretty ridiculous. You got people running like four Cecils at this point to try to hit dark more often, uh, which combos with some other cards as well. Yep. Curtis, you're number two. So my number two is actually Wall um, for a couple of reasons. I think Wall is just simply one of the best forwards in the game. Um, it just gives you so many options, and it turns off like the biggest variance this game has, which is experts. Uh, depending on what you're playing against, just playing a Wall just lets you win the game. And if they don't kill it, it's going to be really difficult to deal with him, giving you know either something else 2K or turning off the experts or doing damage, and being a modal card, he just gives you so many things to play with, and it's just one of those fours you have to kill it, and you have to answer as soon as possible. No, absolutely. Wall's, Wall's a staple for a reason. He's actually not in my top five either, which is odd, because um, we've we've kind of talked that he's fallen off a little bit, but still a great card. My number two is actually Noctis, uh, Legendary, the Opus. Uh, he was seven, right? Jeez, I don't know why I'm having a brain fart all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just because that's a card that's great at any stage of the game, uh, he can stave off early early aggression um, by just being able to fight things and protect himself while he fights things. Um, when you start hitting that like four damage threshold, and you've got like you know Cecil, Cactuars, anything, and you start taking damage, he becomes probably the scariest card in the game. And the fact that he's a burst, there's nothing feels better than flipping him on damage six with that burst especially if you have one on the board already it is lights out uh card is nuts and adam you're number one i can imagine it might be you might just be following me up right here yeah my number one is also noctis um i i only put him slightly ahead of cecil really uh only because i just feel like he's more dynamic than cecil but cecil definitely facilitates noctis as well they, they both kind of work in tandem i think like i feel like you're probably always running both in most yep. decks where you, you have one or the other. Um, but yeah, I, I think he just creates some unfair situations. He can stonewall a game almost by himself, depending on what his power level's at. And then, you know, he also has that third ability where he can just kind of negate all the damage that would be done to him. Uh, so it's it's pretty absurd. Yeah, I agree with that, Adam. Noctis is just a really, really good card. And uh, Curtis, what is your number one? Yeah, so my number one is actually Shantoto. Uh, I know you guys placed it a little lower on your list, but in my opinion, like 
Shantoto is the quintessential Earth card. Like, if you are playing Earth and you're not playing Shantoto, you will be laughed at. Like, either at your locals or anybody else that looks at your list. Like, you have to have a Shantoto in there if you're playing Earth. Um, I think that everybody respects Shantoto and what it does, and that's why it's probably a little less uh, impactful on the meta, just because everyone knows not to play into it, but you still have to respect the card. And if you're playing, like, Star Sybil's in there, then yes. I think the Earth list will only play, like, one Shantoto, but if you're not playing a way to readily search that out, you're playing two or three minimum, uh, just because Shantoto is such an equalizer, um, and that's why it's my number one pick for Earth. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's a good card. I agree with you. It's just 100% an Earth staple. Um, my number one card is, you know, no surprise here. It is uh, Cecil, the Opus 5 Legendary. I think the card is just absolutely insane. He's been insane since the day he was released. He just, I, I, I can't tell you how many games I have won off of, you know, double darking with a Noctis on the board or just darking with a Noctis on the board. And then when you flip a burst off of that, it, it just lights out. It, the game's over on the spot. Um, I think the card is just extremely powerful. And it goes back to, you know, when we had talked about it on a podcast a while back, top S abilities. There's a reason There's a reason his S ability is that good because it, 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 it costs you nothing but a copy. And again, we're talking Earth where they're recyclable. And at that point, you know, Cecil really is big-brained in the sense that you're really using your damage as a resource. And it's, the card's just nuts. And I, it, it will be an Earth staple for a long time. To, and he has the best legs on it. <laughs> All right, so we are moving on to Lightning. Adam, you're number five. Yeah, so I this one I, it's kind of all over the place with as well, I think. I mean, there's a few things that are obviously there. but uh, So my number five is El Cid. Uh, he still squeaks in there for me. I think he's still... I feel like if you're if unless you're playing Scions, like if you're playing Lightning, you probably are still committing to this package it's still the threat of it's still really good uh your opponent still has to play around it you can get away with not playing him in swiss rounds and making your opponent scared of something that's not there but the second that your opponent sees your list going into top cut and they see that there's no else they can play so differently um to not have to play around the card and i think he still has enough presence i do think his values diminish a little bit over the course of time and the fact that you do have to kind of put a package dedicated to him um, kind of hinders it a little bit, but the fact that you're still playing two forwards and probably killing something and maybe doing something else is still really good. I agree. Curtis, you're number five. Yeah, so my number five is actually Sakura. Um, I think that card is starting to be almost becoming a staple for Mono Lightning. Uh, if you don't kill it and it's like mid-late game, uh, it's going to be a problem for you. Like, it's just going to kill something every single turn. Uh, and it's lightning, so it's really easy to build up to five. Like, it shouldn't be a problem getting her second effect to go off. And when you do play her, she's still going to deal 8k to something. Uh, so she's my pick. And maybe she'll edge up higher as time goes on. But for now, I think she's earned her spot at number five. Yeah, no, excellent choice. Uh, my number five is actually Alize, the backup Alize, the 4CP one. Just because it enables an entire archetype. Um, if that card didn't exist, Scion's probably wouldn't be the deck that it is um and there's really not much more to say about it beyond that it enables that archetype adam your number four yeah so mine's a, my number four is adaya uh i feel like to me she kind of defines mono lightning as archetype kind of um i do think sakura is another extremely powerful card too that's actually not on my list but they kind of have similar functions i think 
in that their removal on a body that kind of threatens more removal and uh a day as a burst sakura has just the uh she doesn't need another copy of herself to s or anything like that but um Mm -hmm. i think the burst is is kind of what puts it over the top for me uh like i mean lightning wants to build backups and building backups and killing something seems pretty okay no i agree with uh curtis you're number four yeah so uh my number four is alcid uh i think he's still very re- relevant in the meta, and I think he always will be. Uh, playing some for free is always going to be good, and uh, being able to kill high power forwards is always also going to be very important for Lightning, just because, you know, as they are, all the forwards are pretty weak, uh, so you're pretty much not really going to get any value in traditional combat, so you need ways to get rid of their big walls or, you know, forwards of that nature, and I think Alcid basically fills that void and is always going to be there, and I don't ever see it really leaving Mono Lightning anytime soon, unless something more busted comes out. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually going to agree with Curtis here. My number four is also Al Cid. I just think the card will always be a Lightning staple. It is a card you have to respect. You know, you can get away without playing in Swiss because you have to, pl- when you play against Lightning, you have to play a certain way because of the fear of that card. But I feel like if you're not playing it when you get to the, the elimination rounds, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. So, Adam, you're number three. Yeah, so this this actually might... I don't know if this might catch people off guard. It might not. Uh, so my number three is Ramu, but maybe not the Ramu no, no, you no. think it is. It's Opus 7 Ramu. Ooh! Um, so I think this actually might be like one of the more annoying cards to hit on burst. Um, power reduction is yeah. always going to be better than damage just because of how the game works. Uh, so you can use this as a combat trick to just swing with like a small forward, then reduce something by 7k. That's almost every time going to win you combat. Uh, then 7k also hits a lot of sweet spot forwards that some other damage effects can have trouble with, like Ustola, like Chalinka. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it just it, it's kind of a sweet spot. And then, man, when this thing flips off the top, it's like the most annoying thing ever. Uh, like you it's think it's like hitting a fanfret when, but when like you only have one forward and your opponent has zero, except Ramu can target, which I mean, for the most part, that's always going to help it. Like it's just, uh, and then because it's power reduction, you know, things like Minwu or whatever are going to have a hard time. Like it, it's not, it's not, it doesn't get around that. So I don't know. It's really strong for me. And I actually think it's the stronger of the two Ramus right now. And I think you can kind of notice that in lists where, this is a three of most of the time, and the other one might be one or two. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. Uh, Curtis, you're number three. Yeah, so uh, my number three picks Zemus. Uh, I think if you're playing Mono Lightning or any predominantly Lightning deck, Zemus is going to be very important for your game plan. I mean, being able to recycle forwards is always good, and being able to recycle Alcids or Rigdias or pretty much anything in the deck, Adeas, Estinians, I think we get the point there. But for one, Zemus is actually one of the few fours that Lightning has that's on curve. Um, so if you have Lulu out, it's actually going to be a really big beater. And if you don't kill it before it starts doing its stuff, like you're going to have a really hard time. Um, so Zemus is my uh, third pick. Yeah, I agree with that. Good call. Uh, my number three pick is actually Sid Previa. Um, and the reason he's on my list is because he's just kind of changed the way Lightning ramps. Um, it, he's kind of changed the way the backups are done. I mean, you you know, being able to play that thing on turn one, you know, pitching a searcher, um, getting that, you know, just like four viable searchers. You've got, you know, you've got Louis Swa, you've got uh, Duke Goltana, 
you've got Sid of Clan Gully, and you've got Gromus. Like, these are all great cards to play off of that Sid Previa. And being able to do that on, like, turn one, then into that backup, then you're searching, and then you're playing a two. Like, it, it, it just the way it changes how that deck builds up. Uh, right, so, Adam, you're number two. Um, yeah, so my number two is, has already been said. It's Alice. Uh, I have her this high just because I think I think Scions are very strong. I don't think they're really they're I mean, they're, they're the best tribal deck in this game. I think. Oh, hands down. Um, and this card facilitates that entire archetype. So, if if this card didn't exist, Scion, I don't think Scions would remotely be a top tier deck. Like, it would yeah, without Alice. I think they're like maybe tier two point five at best. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're like dragoons without Alize. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's probably a good a good uh, comparison. But yeah, I mean, I can't really say much more. Like, it's haste tribal, right? Like, that's what science are. They're haste tribal, and they're haste tribal because of this card. Pretty much. All right, Curtis, you're number two. Yeah, so my number two is something that's already been said, but um, it's actually Opus 7 Remove for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I think this card is actually really, really good is it's basically take the spot of Odin, and no one plays Odin anymore. It's 7 CP, and Expert's obviously great. You get to kill anything. But Ramu does that now with the same experts theory because in real life, almost every deck is going to have forwards that are like rarely going above 8k. And especially hitting this early, like everything dies. And it being power reduction, it's hard to play around and it gets rid of Yishtola really easily. Uh, something that the deck itself has problems with, especially with all the damage that the deck relies on. So like Remove just being able to be the way to get rid of Yishtolas, being able to get rid of like any big forward, um, and just being able to kill almost everything on burst makes that my number two pick. It's a good choice. Um, my number two, and it kind of segues into I think I know what everybody's number one is. Uh, my number two is Alba, because the only thing that's better than having an Alua is having pretty much a second one. Um, especially since you know we got we caught wind of how the card actually works, it makes it that much better for me. Uh, Alba is just a great pressure piece and a great finisher. You know, Alua comes down, starts slamming early, and just being able to finish up with Alba or Alba in the mid game when your opponent has you know after they swing out, she's such a punish card. Um, I think the card is nuts, just absolutely nuts. Yeah. And, uh, that's going to segue into number one. Are we all in agreement here what, we, what the best lightning card is? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I'd be upset. I think, so. I think I'd be a, more upset if our lightning number one was different than if our wind number one was different. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, there's no, there's nothing that can't be said. Alua has a wall of text. The card's dumb. Curtis, I know she is your favorite card of all time in this game. Yeah, like if you ever want to get me angry in real life, like just play this turn two, but don't play active. Just play it dull. That's why I always oh, do. Yeah. yeah, I always put it into play dull. Well, at locals, I always put it into play dull. Mostly against people that I know. I would never do that at like a real event, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but at locals, I do it just because I know it. I know it triggers some people. Ways, and she's always accompanied by a sound effect, like a beep beep. <laughs> she's coming in, and she's coming in sideways, and she's a card that, like, I know there's been games where I've played her, where she's responsible for points of damage one through four, sometimes yep. more than that. Yeah, sometimes your opponent's praying just to hit a burst to kill her for free. Because oh, yeah. otherwise, you're probably spending way more than they spend on her. Yeah. Yeah, and like and most of the don't... economical ways to get rid of it, like they're expensive and it's just going to cancel yeah. the whole card. So, yeah. And the fact that Shoal is probably the best S ability, ability printed on any card. Um, 
it does too much for what it costs, and it's just a blowout when it happens. Yep. Card's dumb. It's going to be dumb. You're never not playing three of that card. If you're playing a deck with purple cards, you're you're playing three of this, and that's not going to change ever. Ever. All right, now we're moving on to the last major element, uh, and that's water. Adam, what is your number five? So my number five is actually a new card. It's a uh, nickel. Oh, nice. Um, I think just when you pair this with other water cards, you can really see how stupid it is. Uh, you're going to build up to five backups every game. That's what water does. And then after you build up to five backups, now you're threatening two 5K reductions on something else. So when you stack that with other reductions... Or you scholar this back to your hand and then play it again for another 4k reduction. Um, that's going to kill pretty much every, like, two of whatever's there. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's going to let you push through for game at the end of the games, too. Sometimes it doesn't even need to clear. Sometimes you can just force really bad chump blocks um, after yeah. you've reduced by 5k. And then she has a, you know, a slight a buff ability. Once she's been out, you can buff all your stuff by 1k. That hasn't came into yeah. play a ton for me, but sometimes it does. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think she's just really solid top to bottom. No, I agree with that. Uh, Curtis, your number five. Yeah, so uh, my number five is Layla. Um, I think as soon as that card was printed, oh, that card has what has propelled water to be like so consistent, even more consistent than it was before. Um, and also, I think it did solve like one of the main problems that water had, which is no early game potential. And if you drop Layla viking turn one like they have to do something or else it's going to be like two points of damage and if they try to play traditional like build up backups that's gonna be four points of damage by like two weenies and that's really infuriating oh um, yes yeah and then you're gonna be drawing cards afterwards so like layla has basically transformed water to be kind of what it is and like sure it, it gets swapped out with like porum sometimes but like you can't deny how good layla is within the color of water like there's just no question and sure you might lose out of drawing cards but i mean like that's that's just how strong it is like you lose the game by drawing too much and i've never really heard of that before so yeah no that's fair i don't think layla's going anywhere and if if she disappears it's for a small amount of time uh my number five is actually also a new card and that's the uh the new leviathan um the fact that this has become like a mono water staple it is it's just straight up a piece of removal in mono water and i know a while back when we were talking about things we want to see i know that i want to say this might have been like opus five or opus six and i was like man water would be dangerous if they just got a straight up piece of removal and and the card has been good because it does it, it's essentially you know like you're it's a it's a targeted you know cognazo it's it just it, being able to and it's also again it's power reduction which is the best kind of removal so the fact that it's, you know, and if you're playing rare Yuna, the fact that the thing only costs, what, two? Or does it cost one? I can't remember what the CP value. It's a, it's three regular. Yeah, it costs right? two with Yuna. Yeah, like that. that's just insane to me. I think that card is really, really good. And you're seeing most mono waterless run at least two, if not the full place. So I, I think it's a really good card. Adam, you're number four. Yeah, so that, that Leviathan is not on my list. And the only, like... I think it's a late game like bomb like killer, but I, I think early game it's a little bit like I think it's slightly overrated, but I don't want to like delve too much into that. But I do I do think it's a solid card. Uh, my number four is Cloud of Darkness. I'm sure it's probably on other people's lists too, but maybe higher. Uh, it's just it's one of the best five CP fours in the game, and then if it sticks, it's gonna just probably win you the game. Uh, yep. 
you know, it's going to remove something more than likely when it enters. And then, it, like I said, if it sticks, you're just going to make it where your opponent can't block favorably most of the time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, not much more to be said. That's just that's just what it does. Yep. Curtis, number four. Yeah, so my number four is Nickel. Uh, so I think she's super strong. And when you pair her with, like, Cognazzo, it, like, it just makes Cognazzo better. Um, like, for turns where you can't just do, like, the double play Cognazzo thing, you can just play Nickel and then follow up with Cognazzo, and that's going to kill almost anything that you targeted with Nickel most of the time. Uh, especially, like, Mono Water, 5k reduction to two forwards is super strong, and you're going to be able to get some good tempo over there, get some points of damage in. And the 1k boost actually does come into handy because, like, you can block with the Nickel, and then use her ability to buff everyone by a thousand. So like, if they're not really expecting it, like you can kind of catch them off guard. Uh, and also like against like maybe lightning or anything like that, or anything that you need to dull real quick to get around some cards, you can use nickel to do that. So. Absolutely. I think nickel's a fine card. Uh, my number four is actually cloud of darkness as well. Um, I think like, you know, Adam hit all the notes on that. Um, great in conjunction with cards like Layla Viking really just punishes your opponent for going wide. And it's a card that once it started, once it has the ability to start attacking, you've probably won the game at that point. Um, again, it's a, it's a card that's going to be a staple. It's always going to be a two or three of in every mono water deck, or water X decks because it's not you know any go wide strategy. You can expect a cloud of darkness at the top. Adam, you're number three. Yeah, so he's been mentioned a couple times. So Cognazzo is my number three. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I could probably put him higher, but. Uh, he's he's still insanely good. He's still kind of like he is mono water kind of to me. Yep. Um, he gives you like this kind of like he can be a decent early game like wall, but for the most part he's gonna combo with nickel or he's gonna combo with scholar, and he's gonna wipe yep. your board or a good portion of it in order for your opponent to just swing through for the rest of the game at, with their little weenies, um, or whatever they have left on board. Um, yeah, I mean, and then on top of that, the fact that he has the damage reduction. Um, during your opponent's turn can make him a bit annoying. Absolutely. Curtis, your number three. Yeah, so my number three is actually Minwoo. Um, and the reason why I picked Minwoo is because if a card is responsible for shutting out one archetype from the game, like, it, it, it's good. And whenever you think of water, you also think of Minwoo as well. So, like, being able to turn off damage is just super strong, and it being a backup, it makes it really sticky and it gives you, like, a field effect. Um, and it does, it might rotate out of the format a couple times, but when it, when something with a lot of ping damage starts to come in, Minwoo comes right back in and basically checks it and starts this whole rotation of how, like, decks function. Um, and if you're playing against certain matchups, like, it just straights up wins the game. If you're playing against Lightning and you drop a Minwoo, they really have to change their game plan, like, tremendously um, in order to deal with it. So I think that Minwoo, regardless of how often it's played, it's still going to be one of the best water cards in the game. No, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. All right, so my number three is actually the uh, Opus 4 Viking. I think that's the card that, I mean, if that card didn't exist, Layla wouldn't be nearly as good as she is. Um, Viking makes other cards better. Um, You know, like Famfrit, Cloud of Darkness. Uh, The fact that it's just this guy comes in just to essentially draw you two cards. And the fact that the exit trigger isn't, you know, limited to the break zone. It's anytime it leaves the field. So I, I think this card is just absolutely fantastic. And be, because Layla exists, 
this card is better, but this card is the reason Layla is good. They have that dynamic. I could, I would almost feel like I, I almost want to cheat and put those two together because I feel like you, if you're playing one, you're one hundred percent playing. So, Adam, your number two. My number two is the rare Yuna. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it gives water access to something that probably shouldn't even exist. Uh, summon, I mean, I think they realized their mistake pretty quickly because you haven't seen like anything like this or any other element. So all the other elements are kind of SOL when it comes to that. But this is like, now they have to be careful with any water summon they print. So now your Fanfrits are two, your Leviathans are two, your Bismarcks are one. Um, it's just really dumb and it's a two CP backup. So you just play it turn one and you don't have to do anything else. It's already like... Every time it taps for CP, it's doing its job. Every time you're playing a summon, it's actually almost tapping for another CP, basically, because you're playing summons at a discount. And then not only that, does if the name matters too, it facilitates things like YRP and Balfour. Yeah, definitely the back. Uh, it, it's like a backbone piece of like a lot of Wind Water lists. So absolutely, uh, Curtis, you're number two. Yeah, so my number two is Cloud of Darkness. I know you guys had Cloud of Darkness a little lower in the list, but to me. Cloud of Darkness is probably the best boss monster that Water has. And it just finishes games a lot of times. And if you let it survive with all the Layla Vikings going around, like it's going to be really easy to get value off of that swing effect. Um, so that's why Cloud of Darkness is on my second. It's a good card. Can't argue with it. Uh, my number two is actually Famfrit. Um, Famfrit is probably right now the best Water summon, probably one of the best summons in the game. Um, it's just great when your opponent does try to have, you know, aggro you out early. Um, it's a great burst. You know, we, we all love the personal pan Famfrit around here. And also in conjunction with a lot of these other water cards you're running, you know, your ephemeral summoners, your Vikings, your Layla's, you know, you feel like you're coming out so far ahead when you play this card and you've got, you know, you play Famfrit and you've got any of these forwards on board. And again, in conjunction with a card like Rare Yuna, this thing costing only two CP is extremely unfair. So I just think it's an absolute just monster card across the board. Um, and now, Adam, your number one. So my number one's actually been mentioned already, too. So my number one is Viking. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wholly believe that this is the better piece of the combo. Like, I think, mm-hmm. like, obviously Layla makes it way better. Uh, and mm-hmm. you're running Layla and this card together in conjunction, like you said. But, like, mm-hmm. this card also could just be ran by itself. It's still like yep. a fanfrit piece. It's still going to draw you probably two cards every time unless it gets blanked. Uh, and because of the fact the way Final Fantasy works where it doesn't matter your power level when you're swinging for damage, uh, this little 2CP Viking is doing just as much damage as a Cloud or a Lightning or any other named character that's swinging into the face. Uh, and that mm-hmm. makes it even threatening and even more annoying when you get hit by it. So that's why it's my number one. And I, I think it just kind of facilitates everything else that water does um and it just gives it this card advantage that is pretty unfair yeah no other element has it so and uh curtis your number one water card yeah so i don't know why i put this as my top one maybe it's because i hate it so much but uh i have fanfare as mine like it's just Mm -hmm. super frustrating getting hit with it um especially depending on the deck you're playing and depending on the caliber of the player, like this one simple summon that just forces both people to get rid of a card, like you can use it for so many different situations. Um, I mean, obviously Lay the Viking, 
get rid of your Viking draw card out of it. Now it's basically for free. But you can use it to dodge like Diabolos's. You can use it to dodge mortal cards. You can use it to get around certain cards like Camelot and things like that. Like, and it being an expert is just super strong too. So like, I think Fanfrit is probably one of the best water cards in the game, just out of like the versatility that you can use. And it's depending on how creative you are and depending on what situation you're in, you could basically use it to get out of anything. Yeah, no, I agree with all of those points. Uh, my number one has also already been mentioned, and that is the uh, rare Yuna. Um, again, Adam, again, hit the nail right on the head. No other element has a two CP backup that does something so relevant and so powerful. Again, the name is relevant. It's tutorable off the the three CP three K pain. Um, it makes pain and Riku better. It makes Valifor probably one of the best summons in the game. You know the fact that Bismarck's cost one. Famfritz cost two. You know the, the 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 fact that you know all of these pieces that we've mentioned just create this very well oiled machine. Um, I feel like Yuna is just such a backbone piece in a lot of that. That if you're playing blue cards, you know it, it's hard because like this this kind of shuts out a lot of other Yunas that are really good. Like I think the five CP Yuna is really good, but the fact that this one just does so much more for the deck you're playing. It just it's insane. It's an absolutely insane card. And I, I, I'm pretty sure either of you could agree that if somebody came out with like an all time top water card list, if this was number one on the list, I don't think anybody would be upset or could even really have we, we wouldn't argue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cards nuts. So now we're coming. We're coming down the home stretch, boys. We've made it light and dark cards. We're going to kind of lump these together just because there's not many. Um. You know, I, I we initially said we were going to do one each, but I, I think I think if we just did one each, I think our answers would be pretty unanimous. So we'll go two each and go ahead and just <laughs> rattle them off back to back. I think well, well two is fine. I think we're all going to be unanimous, right? Like if we just do two, it's going to probably be Veritas and Yuri, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Veritas and Yuri, I think hands down are the best light and dark cards. But you know, one could also argue. For Gaudis, especially after this weekend, Gaudis was a really big part of Nathan Perez's deck, um, and the card's still pretty unfair, especially when you can get him up to like 10k power. Yeah, I mean Gaudis is still really good. Obviously, Cam is still kind of a big part of Earthwind in order to get their mm-hmm. stuff online. It helps that he's searchable, and then I think yeah. there's a and, few. Uh, honestly, right now, light. Yeah. Uh, no, go ahead. No, yeah, Light Zidane is what probably you're gonna say. Exactly, yeah. because because a card like Garland exists. That's and I'm sure Curtis, you know, I know you had Garland on your ice list. Just playing Garland and then following up with a two CP Light Zidane to force your opponent to discard, that is ball busting early in the game. Yeah. Not and, only have you taken away their board resources, you're taking away resources out of them. And I think the only other honorable mention for me out of this is uh heroic uh, light cloud. I think he saw a boost this set too. Um yeah. I think he's still a rung below the the top stuff, but I think he's probably right around there with Zidane as far as playability goes. Yeah. Curtis, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything. Uh light especially. Yuri's obviously the best light forward or light card in the game. Uh second one would be Zidane in my opinion as well. Uh for Dark, Veritas is the best one. For the second one, I I'm torn between Galdas and Cam, but I would say Cam over Galdas just because you can search any dark card with Cam. So if you want to play Galdas, you can get it with uh, with uh, Camelot. And just Camelot being able to switch its element every turn and basically create like a shield for you, depending on what you're playing against, I think is super strong. And 
even though Galdas does a lot of things, I think Camel Nod's going to seal the deal for me for being the second best dark card. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, just again, like just topping it off with Yuri. Yuri is the best light card in the game by a mile. Like it's not even close. These other cards are good, but Yuri just does so much. And we could even almost go as far as saying that Yuri's the best forward in every element. <laughs> yeah. Just because. I, I would agree um, with that as well. Yeah, it just yeah, it gives them access to stuff that they shouldn't have. To be honest, I think that's yeah. really the big thing. Uh, I think the only one other thing I want to touch on before like we start wrapping before we wrap up uh, is like mm-hmm. Fasolia's kind of fallen off pretty hard. Oh, he, he like a like a rock. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's weird. I just just because I think Yuri just brings so much more to the table, and now we're back into a we're back into a meadow where. 7k's not really that sweet spot anymore. Your, your guys need to be big. Well, also, the problem is, like, the decks that want to play Faselia are playing Veritas, and then Riku is everywhere, too, which really hinders yeah. Faselia. Yeah. And then also, I think that Faselia was pretty much best with, like, Mono Water. Um, and then now that you have, like, uh, Nicole, like, 5k reduction is much better than just 4k. And then obviously, you're going to play Veritas on the deck. So for the deck that runs Fasoya the best, like, it's not the best option anymore, so that's probably one big reason why it kind of dropped off as well. Yeah, and then when you start talking about Veritas, you know, just to kind of fit, wrap up what you were saying there, you know, Veritas and Mono Water does kind of the same thing that Layla Viking do. Um, they The card staves off that early aggression. Your opponent plays a forward to pressure you. You just drop that, and now you could, you have the potential to set them back so far. And then, you know, you know, especially playing that and then like a Famfrit right behind that, all your opponents in yep. so much trouble. Obnoxious. And then the fact that, you know, you're seeing mono win lists play it and then they're, pl- they're playing that and Yuri. So they play the Famfrit, uh, sorry, not the Famfrit, they play the Veritas. Then they follow up with a three CP Zidane to strip your Veritas. You start playing this game of Veritas Chicken and no dark card has really had that, that dynamic. So, you know, Veritas is just an insane card, an absolutely insane card. But, you know, with that being said, um, we definitely, uh, you know, this, this was a long episode, but it, it, it shows that we're all kind of, you know, our head's all kind of in the same place here. Other than a few differences, we've all kind of recognized what cards are really powerful in each element. And, you know, these are cards, if you go to a tournament, you go to a competitive event, these are cards you need to know how to interact with them. You need to know what they're capable of or you're just not going to have a good day. Um, and I, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we'll revisit this come like the end of Opus eight going into Opus nine. And I can't wait to see, you know, if these cards stick around beyond that, but uh, guys, any parting thoughts? Uh, not really. I don't want to record twice again. <laughs> oh God. Yes. Yeah. It, man, I, I got nothing. You got me stammering. That was, that was brutal. But, you know, this was fun. I'm glad we actually got to talk about this stuff. Um, you know, and Curtis, it was a pleasure having you on. I'm sure everybody will be excited to hear your silky smooth voice on SoundCloud mm-hmm. again. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that they uh, will be ecstatic. And it's always fun doing casts. I mean, it's something I've always enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've always listened to the RV Returners podcast for, like, ever since it came out. So, I mean, like, it's just fun. Like, anytime you want me, just call me and I'll hop in. Mm. I guess as Michael McDonald once said, Yamo be there. (laughs) And we're going to sign off on that. (laughs) All right. See you guys later. Yes, indeed. Later, guys. 
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening once again to the RVA Returners podcast. If you like this content and you want to hear more, check us out on YouTube at RVA Returners. And make sure you follow us on SoundCloud and check us out on Google Play and iTunes.